Welcome to the November 29th edition of the PFF Forecast. It is the last November forecast. I can't believe it's already December. Uh, a fantastic show. We The season officially started last week with Thanksgiving, so it's great to be in week two. Um, we'll do some injuries, some SGP builds, uh, locks of the week, and a solid 45 minutes on the dangers of AI and how that might change uh, the world as we know it. That's right. Unless you've been living under a rock, you heard that Aaron Rodgers uh, has been designated to return, or not designated to return, open the practice window. So he has 21 weeks, uh, 21 days uh, to, uh, to rejoin the team. Um, and I am hoping, I don't know if we, can, if we can make this happen, will it into existence. Maybe ESPN bet, you know, with, with the poll that Greeny has on GetUp, he can get this market. But I want total number of snaps that uh, Aaron Rodgers plays um, uh, until he gets injured again. What do you guys set that line at? George, yeah, I mean, the ESPN bet, uh, we might have a boost on it. You know, it's like uh, you know, a greeny boost. Maybe, yeah, maybe a boost. Maybe you could do a, a parlay of that with something else. But if if one leg breaks just like Rodgers' leg broke, then it doesn't count. It's a, it's a loser, mm-hmm. not a push. Uh, you know, some, some different ideas for ESPN bet to you know throw out there. I, I for one, would not doubt the power of the Dolphins. You know, listening mm. to listening to Dolphins can go a, a very long way. I have no interest in. They're incredible in, animals. Incredible animals. Uh, you know, the, when I hear the greeny boost, you know what I think about? I think about the MLB steroid era and how much I miss it. Real greenies, the original greenies. Original yes, greenies. I got Obviously, you. Last time baseball was good. It was. As a Sammy Sosa uh, supporter, it certainly was the last time baseball was good. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, the, back to the Rodgers thing real quick, too. Like, the, the, to the Dolphin, uh, you know, mating sounds. That is the game he's targeting. You know, maybe is it a coincidence? Is it not? Christmas Eve against the Dolphins after he gets healed by Dolphins? You know, connect the dots. That's actually a really good point. Maybe the fact that he's playing in Miami where there are, are actual Dolphins will help help him stay on the field. So maybe the line gets moved to like eight snaps, maybe makes two series. Yeah. I think you boosted a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, how about injuries that will uh, actually impact the NFL season? And in particular this upcoming week, um, I, I guess the, the, there are a couple that are, that are certainly of note, but Brad, why don't you take us through starting with uh, Thursday night Seahawks and uh, Cowboys. Yep. So it looks like, you know, Geno Smith good to go, but Kenneth Walker is doubtful, probably not going to play in that game. You know, again, that's why you draft second round running backs in back to back years, also known as the Chahuri method. Uh, so Zach Charbonnet will be there. He'll be fine. Uh, anyway, uh, Geno, I think, is, is totally good now, like no limitations of any kind. Um, the receivers there, I think they're, Lockett always tends to miss time, but I think all three of those guys are good to go as well. And then, you know, on the offensive line, Phil Haynes, the guard is out, but, you know, nothing notable there. So that's the situation for them. For the Cowboys, extremely healthy. Um, I guess quietly one of the more healthy teams across the NFL uh, at this point. And let's see, of note, yeah, no, nobody of note at this point, nobody new on the list there. So those teams are good to go. 
uh, across the NFL. Jonathan Taylor is now out for a couple weeks, if not the entire season. Um, you know, for fantasy relevance, for for prop relevance, probably the biggest name uh, th- this week, no question about it. There's a lot of trench players and you know, like secondary players, but really when it comes to the guys we're going to be talking about for SGPs, for props, for things of that nature, um, it, it is weirdly a, a relatively healthy week for, for an NFL week 13, 14. That's a good point. So uh, Jonathan Taylor out, uh, is he going on IR? He had said this, they hope to have him back in three weeks. So I would guess no, I guess lean no, and he doesn't go on IR, but um, it's certainly possible. How much did that line move? I didn't notice. I didn't notice a movement. Well, here's the thing. I guess Zach Moss, I think his uh, – I don't know which company it was, but he was some – it may have been PFF, was RB2 this week. So that shows you know the, the massive drop-off uh, you know, that, that's going to occur at, at the running back position. Huge. I, uh, I actually went immediately to try and pick him up and then found out that both teams I'm playing against this week have Zach Moss. And I was discouraged. So um, yes, that's why you that's why you draft them in the first round uh, or second. Um, anything there in particular? I mean, it's, it is a very very light week. Anything that we would see from a betting perspective that uh, is noteworthy there? I struggle I, as well. Okay, I yeah. assume uh, John's going to go. I, like, I that's like that's the big one. Yeah, so some of the more that are kind of questionable. Lane Johnson's certainly top of the list there. Got the MRI at the groin. Was on the field pregame and, like, going through the motions, but obviously did not play in that matchup against Buffalo. You know, Nick Bosa plays on that side of the offensive line um, almost all of his snaps. So it's a potentially massive absence there. No news as of yet of exactly what's going to happen, but, you know, if he doesn't play, it's, it's probably the most meaningful injury, uh, you know, across the NFL. Yeah, that would be huge. And that line currently at um, Niners by three in Philly. That is kind of disrespectful. I'm sure we'll talk about that game here in a second. Um, uh, yes, Brad has no shame about his background. He's willing to bear it all. Uh, all right, it is time for uh, SGPs. Now, I don't know if we talked about this on the Sunday show because Arjun is on that show, but before you get into it, Judah, I need to tell this story. So uh, Friday, Black Friday morning, we're going to be subjected to Tim Boyle in all his glory. And we're talking in our Slack, you know, what's what's the kind of the narrative that we want to bet on today? And Judah's like, I've got I've got one for the the real the real sickos. And uh, it was it was delightful. So it was a um, concentration of dolphins yardage. So it was Tyreek Hill, uh, 120-plus receiving, Jalen Waddell, 100-plus receiving, uh, Brees Hall, under 57.5 rushing, and Raheem the Dream Mostert, over 120 rushing, 150 to 1. 1,500. Oh, 1,500 to 1. Yes, sorry. Uh, Even better. Uh, 1,500 to 1. And uh, obviously, we all got on board. And... I mean, if it weren't for, I feel like, the Javon Holland return, we might not be doing this podcast with blurred backgrounds because we'd be on a yacht in Cabo. Um, The Javon Holland, the the Hail Mary, I really feel like was what set us back. That and the resurrection of Jeff Wilson uh, Jr. But uh, Tyreek ended up with like, what, 116. uh, Waddle cleared 100 easily. Hall went under. 
Um, and I think Mostert ended up with like 90 and two TDs. So um, anyways, that is the lead in to Judah's SGPs for this week. I don't think I need to say anymore. Yeah. I mean, that, that would be, you know, real sweet if we can hit on a 1500 to one. I never, I didn't even realize that SGPs went that high and, and for a four legger that that would be special. Um, but we can, you know, try and hit on some maybe lesser, uh, lesser ones, but still enough to, to one day pay for, for a nice yacht. Uh, I'm going to start with uh, tomorrow night. You kind of yes. playing a very similar angle to what we did on Thanksgiving day with Curtis Samuel, which is that the slot receivers have really enjoyed a lot of success against the Cowboys. Uh, and that's going to be attacking Jack Jackson Smith and Jigba. Uh, I'm seeing like a 95 yards at plus 1700, which I love as a leg on its own. Uh, but also kind of combining that, uh, with maybe some Seahawks plays or even uh, a Tyler Lockett under, basically uh, telling the story of Jackson Smith and Jigba continuing to see more of the work and him being the uh, target against a, a Cowboys defense, which has really struggled to defend slot receivers and has been really good on the outside. Uh, kind of one I like pairing on the other side uh, is Brandon Cooks also has an extremely high, I think it's also 1,700 I saw, for 95 yards. And this is a guy that I kind of thought was washed after like week five or week six, uh, but his separation numbers especially have been going way up. He's really established himself as uh, the number two receiver in Dallas. And I, I think it's not just like a, Oh, Brandon cooks is a, a deep guy sort of role, but has, you know, his route tree has also uh, kind of expanded to really be the clear number two receiver uh, for uh, the Cowboys, uh, Devon Witherspoon will, I imagine, be uh, following CeeDee Lamb on a bunch of his snaps. Uh, not that I think that will necessarily slow him down, but there's plenty of volume to be had in this Dallas passing attack, which is passing way over expected and with a ton of success uh, mm -hmm. since coming off their bye like a month ago. Uh, I expect both of those guys to kind of be uh, primary targets. Both have deep roles, uh, in which a couple of these hit uh, – they can be played separately. They can be played together, but both players I'm going to want to be building uh, SGPs around tomorrow night. Tell me about the playing them together, because usually we focus, we concentrate on one team. I feel like this is the first time that I've seen kind of like overs on, I guess, somewhat non-correlated positions, right? Like sometimes you'll go with, you know, running back receiver on, on opposite teams like that. But um, to my knowledge, this is the first time that, uh, we've kind of seen this kind of a build. So maybe that's just my memory, but I guess take me through kind of the, the correlation between those two things. Yeah, uh, I, I think it's mostly neutral, uh, but it's the fact that both of these legs on their own are, I think, so mispriced. And in like, by virtue, but they're like, when you do a same game parlay, books are going to take more, all right, off the top. But by combining the legs, the prices are so far off, right? When you're getting 1700s on things that I would make a lot less than that. Uh, you're essentially overcoming that like vig that the books are holding by the virtue of the, the correlation. And I think they're like probably a little bit correlated if anything. Uh, like if, especially if you do it from the like Seattle side of things, if Seattle is going to have a receiver go way above his expectation, uh, that probably means they're having more success on offense, uh, which is going to like Dallas is going to pass. I think they're going to pass with success. Uh, and it will only for the only further pass more, uh, because Seattle will have scored points that they can, you know, 
Uh, Dallas will pass later in games if a guy like Jackson Smith and Jigba is breaking a big play or going over 95 yards. Uh, but really, the, at the core of it, it's just like you're overcoming the vig that you generally have with same game parlays by how poorly each of these individual legs are priced. Uh, and I think they absolutely can hit together. That uh, makes a lot of sense. Um, all right, we've got one locked in for tomorrow night. Uh, where else are you heading? Uh, we're going to go to Indianapolis here. Uh, it's Gardner Minshew. Uh, and I think I'm going to want to play both Michael Pittman and Josh Downs. I always want to say Jeter Downs. I think he's a shortstop for the Red Sox. I got to keep catching myself saying Josh Downs. Uh, but don't look now. The, these two guys have really, really taken uh, a hold of the Indianapolis target share. Uh, I mean, they each had 11, 14 targets last week. Maybe it was 11. Tar- I don't know. Double digit targets. I can't remember exactly what it was. Uh, and I also think that Indianapolis has kind of proven to be the type of team that is going to vary their run pass splits uh, based on the matchup that they faced last week. They passed 7% but expected against the Tampa Bay team, which is a pass funnel. We always like attacking them. Uh, this has also, by the way, been true of the Eagles teams of the past bunch of years. Obviously, the Shane Steichen connection is there. Uh, and if you look at the past like five or six weeks, the Tennessee Titans have been the biggest pass funnel uh, defense in the NFL. Uh, last year, this was certainly a team we'd love to attack. Uh, right now, they're number one uh, against the rush uh, over the last, you know, five, six weeks in basically any efficiency metric you want to uh, use. And their pass defense has been dreadful. I expect that the Colts are going to throw early and often. Uh, maybe if Jonathan Taylor's hurt, that can, you know, only help things uh, on the margins. Uh, but this is a more concentrated attack uh, than I think is being priced for the sample of the entire season. I think Downs and Pittman have recently emerged as these uh, you know, clear number one and number two options. Uh, and I also think that Gardner Minshew's pricing kind of reflects a, a team that's okay. We don't know if we're going to run or pass, but they are more than happy to, you know, pass seven, 8% over expected if the matchup calls for it. I think they should have plenty of success uh, against the Titans team. I'm going to be building uh, SGPs around Minshew and the Colts uh, spreads. I'm going to be building, you know, with Downs, with Pittman, with both of them. Uh, all of those angles, I think, are firmly in play. Uh, especially considering I don't think the market has kind of caught up to these, you know, later season adjustments with Minshew and the receivers. There, there probably is an opportunity, not necessarily the the same as the Dolphins, but, um, you know, concentration of uh, yardage with these two guys. 100%. It's almost like a, in my mind, it's like a carryover of like DFS uh and like how i how i think about it maybe that's a, a topic for another time uh but yeah like anytime you can kind of take uh, a wide receiver wide receiver one wide receiver two correlation uh which is that books are going to say like they're cannibalizing each other they're only so many yards to be gained but both basically saying actually the function of the game story allows for both of them to excel uh is kind of one of these anti-correlation plays that i think are you know good sgps to to be building around and, and this definitely fits the bill Makes sense. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have a, a pithy get up uh, segment for this. I don't think they're going to talk about this game on get up. I don't think it makes the cut uh, of segments for, for get up, even though Minshew, you know, you can do a lot with his name there uh, in, in the titles. Um, all right. Uh, where else? Uh, I'll go with uh, maybe a couple of more lesser, you know, flyers. I, I'll, I'll call them. Uh, waiting to get pricing on the Cardinals and Kyler Murray. Uh, but I, 
the offense has been abysmal uh, the past couple of weeks. And I think they found themselves in a pretty negative game script against the Rams defense, which I think is actually a little underrated. Brad, I think we're talking about this on Sunday night. Uh, it's been, been a little better, but I, the Steelers defense is not particularly good. Uh, and they bleed explosive plays. I think a lot of their uh, kind of good numbers or efficiency metrics are propped up by bad quarterbacks. Uh, and I think the kind of narrative that's going to be baked into the pricing, again, I need to actually see the pricing in order to know, uh, but is, okay, Kyler Murray's back, Cardinals are upgraded, have a kind of good game against the Falcons, and then it's like, oh, actually, we're worse off than we thought with two bad games. But I don't think that's really kind of changed the fundamentals of like, this is a clear upgrade with Kyler Murray. He's going to put up yardage uh, at a certain point. They're not running him uh, as much, which I think only helps with the passing volume. Uh, he has the receivers. He's going to connect deep with Marquise Brown one of these weeks on a, on a deep bomb. The Steelers are bleeding explosive plays. Kyler Murray, while he might not be running, still can evade the rush very well uh, by virtue of his scrambling ability. Five and a half point spread is far too uh, much, I think, for the Steelers offense. We can talk about that later. But all that, I think, leads to an SGP build around Kyler, maybe uh, including Marquise Brown. Again, all, all price dependent, but a spot I'll look at. Uh, and then another very quickly, I, there's an odd, like, I think we might be running back the Miami, uh, you know, you know, uh, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle. I don't know if I'll do Raheem Mostert or Jeff Wilson, because Wilson obviously ate into a lot of that work, but I think that's firmly in play with, uh, just how many explosive plays the Washington defense is allowing Miami can, can strike really, really quickly. And they didn't, what's amazing about, uh, that game against the Jets is like, I was kind of like anticipating like a 60 yard touchdown, a 70 yard touchdown. I thought like, Oh, this is only going to happen if we get like one of those, you know, Waddle or Hill bombs uh, that kind of gets most of the yards quickly. They didn't really do that. It was more like chunk play. Sure. There were explosive plays, but none of those like 60, 70 yard strikes. I think we'll be seeing a lot more of those uh, against Washington. And I'm not sure. I mean, I'm a Sam Howell believer, you know, uh, riding the, riding the variance or, or whatnot. But if anything, I think that pushes the, uh, you know, pace enough that Miami still has to score 31, 38 points. Uh, and they still are not going to be pricing this correlation of wide receiver one, wide receiver two, and running back one properly, I don't think. What about our King Devon Achan? Is he going to play this week, Brad? It's possible. He was limited. Judah, you're, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not super confident in it. I think they give him one more week off and then we get him back. I know. Yeah. I feel like they have no reason to, to, they have no reason to rush him back. Yeah, um, but I would I mean, love an H hand build here because he doesn't need yeah. the volume. Like he, he's just yeah. gonna go for the sixty yard touchdown run. Yeah, and that they would, I mean, they would have to price him, you know, conservatively. I would think, uh, given the limited number of snaps he's played. Um, everyone's overusing that meme, the Cuomo meme, you know, where he starts crying, you know, during the interview and says, "Yeah, I can't do it right now." Uh, the best one is, Dad, tell me about the three weeks of Devon Achan. That's the best one. <laughs> some of them are really bad, by the way. People need to, to check themselves, but there are some good ones out there. Um, all righty. Uh, it is time for Locks of the Week. Brad, as usual, you save it up. You're ready. You're prepared to kick us off. Yep. Uh, I'm going to start off with a prop. I think it's, I guess, something of a uh, uh, of a trend now. I think it's good to just kick things off, get a little weird to start, and then we'll, you know, funnel to the norm. So we just talked about this game a second ago. Um, it is the Brian Robinson over 55 and a half combined rushing and receiving yards in this matchup. 
So first, you know, the, the Dolphins are bottom 10 in, in EPA per play and success rate against the run. And, of course, we're thinking, okay, this is not going to be a great game script against the run. Ryan Robinson had 15 carries against the Cowboys. And, yeah, it wasn't a blowout the entire game, but it was a passing game script for pretty much uh, the majority of that football game. Still got the carries. Has been a consistent check down outlet for Sam Howell as well. Yes, you're going to get some Antonio Gibson, who also factors in, but they had the same number of uh, targets, I want to say, in that Cowboys game. And I just think the 55 and a half number, I think it's, I guess, so reliant on, ga- on what the expected game script is here. Because, um, I mean, he's gone over that number by double digits five weeks in a row. Um, you know, and there have been some softer opponents there. But, but I also just think at the end of the day, you're getting a lot of garbage time here. They go into a bye after this game. They have like no reason really to to care about anything, um, you know, as it relates to saving guys or anything of that nature uh, going forward. I think you're just going to get the most you can get out of each guy you have uh, in the Ron Rivera, the Riverboat Ron uh, conclusion. Um, so anyway, Brian Robinson over 55 and a half combined uh, yards. I love it. Brian Robinson was uh, a lock on Thanksgiving Day, by the way, and yes. That's not Cuomo. It's Vince McMahon. I don't know what it says that I thought Cuomo, not uh, not the one that uh, got fired from CNN, but Andrew, his brother, who got fired from being the mayor, uh, was what I was thinking. But yeah, hey, but hey, that's why we have legal gambling in New York. So shout out to that Cuomo uh, when he was disgraced and on the way out, he was like, "Let me just legalize weed gambling, whatever can salvage a vote." Didn't work, but shout out. That the perfectly niche, uh, you know, podcast where where that works. Uh, I love it. I love it. Um, my my prop is going to be Evan Ingram over forty three and a half yards uh, yes. receiving. This is a Bengals team that just for the life of them cannot defend the tight ends. I mean, Pat Fryermuth led the NFL in receiving yards last week, uh, emerging from from the dead. Uh, I, they're allowing a 0.5 EPA per play, a success rate of about 62% to tight ends. It's an absolute disaster. I don't know why this is the anecdote that I'm hearing in my head, but I can just remember on red zone, you know, Scott Hansen saying something or, or the announcer saying something about how Evan Ingram doesn't have a touchdown. And they were like, the Jaguars are well aware that Evan Ingram doesn't have a touchdown. Not that that's what's kind of driving this bet, but they're going to be feeding him the ball by virtue of the matchup, by virtue of, you know, wanting to get the ball into the end zone. The books are pricing the median here. Every week, the Cincinnati Bengals uh, are allowing receivers to, or tight ends, excuse me, to go over their their median props against them. Uh, This is a bet I I really, really like. Yes. Uh, In fact, on Sunday night, Brad, what did we talk about with this game? Uh, last one, it was Monday night, obviously Monday night football. And I was like, just something to pay attention to. They got absolutely skewered. The Bengals did by tight end, uh, Pratt Firemuth. They got skewered by George Kittle. They've been getting eaten alive. Um, I can already tell you, this is one of my favorites. Uh, I'm going with the prop as well. I'm going to, uh, Eagles Niners. Uh, and I am looking at our King. Brandon Ayuk. Okay. This guy is whether it be now, I think this is a conversation potentially for another day, but the degree to which scheme enables separation for receivers should be very, something very interesting to talk about. And um, just real quickly, the reason that um, I am interested in that is Judah, you, you tweet this out every week, um, how well receivers are grading in terms of separation. We chart that for every single play, not just the ones that they're targeted. 
And then how will they do after the catch? And uh, I think the top three guys in, in combined separation and after the catch are all playing in a Shanahan scheme. Uh, now, they're also very good players in Ayuk Hill and Tank Dell, but how much that scheme enables um, you know, uh, players to get open. Now, I think that is helpful in this situation because if you look here on the screen, you will notice that the cornerbacks for the Philadelphia Eagles, not particularly uh, great, not playing very well this year. Neither is the middle of the field uh, coverage players. Um, so I feel uh, really, really good about this being um, a, a bit of an IU game where I think people will believe it's going to be a Samuel game. Um, but uh, in reality, I actually don't think that there's going to be, um, you know, a ton of pressure generated by the, the Eagles defensive line. Very, very good. But as we talked about, not necessarily generating a ton of pressure. Um, so I like Ayuk uh, over. I think his line might be a little, uh, a tad bit depressed. We saw Debo get a lot of, of run last week. Um, Ayuk had a couple of plays, but only two, two receptions last week. So I don't know what this line will come out at. I'm not seeing anything out there unless you guys are um, here. But uh, he was the first one that, uh, that came to mind. Just love the matchup uh, against the Eagles. Yeah, I like that one. And they're going to attack the middle of the field and attack those linebackers. And, you know, that is Debo, too. But I think the cross, we've seen the crossers and, and match and all that with Ayuk all season long. Um, that has been Purdy's, maybe his favorite throw of the entire season. One more prop. Uh, this is, you probably couldn't characterize a sack prop as buying low, but I think it's exactly the narrative that I'm going for here. So here's the narrative Dak Prescott has not taken a sack in three straight weeks, which is awesome. Uh, he's also played the Giants, Panthers, and Commanders, maybe the three worst pass rushes in the NFL. Um, the five weeks before that, five weeks in a row, he took three, three, five, three, five sacks. He had a pressure to sack rate of 27%, 21%, 33, 33, 26. He's not like bad in that category or I think particularly good. I think he always finishes around like 17 to 20%, you know, probably 12 to 15 range. But I think you are buying low on a Boye Mafe over a quarter sack at plus 160. So why Mafe? He spends about two-thirds of his snaps on the left side going against the right tackle. Cowboys right tackle Terrence Steele coming off an injury is a good player but has a 47 pass block grade because he hasn't really been the same guy off the ACL. Um, and, and as a pass protector right now is the weak spot. So we do need to be able to score and for Dak to be actually dropping back because obviously that's also why he hasn't taken a sack in three weeks. But – I think you're getting pricing of a they're viewing a guy like, oh, he hasn't been hit in or sacked in three weeks. True. He also took what I just say, 19 sacks in five games with a pressure to sack rate above 25% in five straight before that. So that's why I characterize it as a buy low. Uh, Mafe's been great. Uh, you know, pressure rate well above 15%. And recently, in particular, has been balling. Um, and I like the matchup against Terrence Steele. I like it. I can't believe I'm the first one to propose a teaser, but uh, I'll I'll propose a, an island game teaser, taking the uh, the Cowboys from eight and a half to two and a half, and the Bengals from eight and a, excuse me the Jaguars from eight and a half to two and a half. Uh, I mean the Seahawks might be a bottom five team in the NFL over the last you know uh, six or six or seven weeks. Uh, Geno Smith is not healthy. Uh, not that I think that's really mattered, and and Dallas, as Brad said. Very healthy. They're a complete house right now. Uh, I mean, letting Dak throw and 
Dak having success. Talk about the emergence of Brandon Cooks, which I really think does matter. Uh, kind of limiting Michael Gallup snaps, uh, letting Jalen Tolbert get in a bunch of ride. All of a sudden, Dallas has a lot of options here uh, that have played well, and they are letting Dak. They're letting Dak cook, and he's doing exactly that. Uh, the Seahawks have been bad at home. I like them to, to win by a field goal. On the flip side of things, I think one of the biggest mispricings, if you kind of look at like how markets are pricing uh, certain offenses and defenses, if you look at like unpredictable, which I think captures a bunch of it, I think has some flaws, uh, but it's nonetheless a very valuable tool. Right now they have the Bengals as the fifth best offense, the fifth best defense in the league, uh, which I think they they must have you know flipped the bottom five for, for a top five rank. This is an atrocious defense right now. Uh, getting absolutely burned by explosive plays, allowing explosive plays at the highest rate in the league. They can't stop the run. That's a disastrous combo, and it's also exactly what Jacksonville does. Yes. Uh, which is like they just want to like pound the rock for whatever reason, and Trevor Lawrence has been awesome throwing deep in the receivers. You know, Ridley and Kirk are, are terrific deep ball receivers. Uh, I, like, I, I like Jake Browning. Uh, I think the market tends to uh, kind of overprice the difference in, in backups. Uh, starting for, for good quarterbacks, but uh, I think this is a totally different class of opponent right now, and, and Jacksonville matches up so, so well with Cincinnati. Yeah, it's a... Uh, I was looking at that game, too. Um, I, I really like that teaser. There, are, I guess you could... Uh, a couple other teaser legs, um, but uh, but those are probably my favorite, especially if you get Dallas down to, to eight and a half. The other one worth calling out is that if you have... Um, you know, Eagles, you can find at two and a half in some spots. Getting them out to eight and a half, I think, is is interesting. Um, I, you know, we talked about this on Sunday. Like, I just – I don't know quite what to make of the Eagles because, you know, they have a – like, I think it's the second lowest point differential for any 10-1 team um, in history. Their passing offense, I don't feel like, has actually looked right, like, all year, weirdly enough. Um, and I think that's scary for them going forward in terms of how good they could be. Uh, but Jalen Hurts, like, like the guy's awesome, but he is he is not playing as well as he did last year. Uh, all that being said, they're playing at home, um, and with or without Lane Johnson, the offensive line is still very, very strong. They still have Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. Like, they still have a great defensive line. So it is a formidable situation for big you-know-what Brock Purdy. Uh, to go into. Uh, so that's the other one that I'll throw out there. Um, before I get to my next one, um, this podcast brought to you by our friends at PrizePix, prizepix.com, um, where you can get your first $100 deposit back in uh, bonus bets if you use the promo code forecast at prizepix.com. PrizePix is awesome. It is the best way to play daily fantasy that you can possibly find out there. Um, it's very, very simple. You pick a player. Uh, pick up to two or sorry, up to six, I think. Uh, but you pick two or more players uh, and then you choose over or more or less, I should say, on a particular stat or uh, fantasy points. And you can combine players across different sports. So it makes it um, a lot of fun. If you're you know sitting there on a Sunday, you're going to watch some uh, NBA as well, potentially. Um, and uh, the great thing about it is it is super easy to use, unlike some other places that can be very confusing. This is straightforward and easy. Prizepicks.com slash forecast. Use the code forecast for a first deposit matchup up to $100. Obviously, we have talked you through a few different ones. I will highlight the one on Thursday night because here is one of the rules on Prize Picks: You have to choose a player from each team. 
And one of the reasons that I asked Judah about the players from both teams is that, you know, it's kind of hard if you have only a player from one team uh, or players from one team. Uh, it's hard to do on prize picks, but you can do it um, on prizepicks.com with, uh, with obviously players from, from opposing teams. So that unlocks the Brandon Cooks and Jackson Smith and Jigba uh, play that we talked about earlier. Prizepicks.com slash forecast. First deposit match of up to $100. Also, uh, our friends at Gerber Life are making your life a little bit easier by making it easy to get high quality term life insurance to protect your family. Uh, I'm sure there's some parents out there and you want to make sure that, uh, yeah, that everyone's taken care of and um, you can worry about the things in life that you care about, like football. Uh, go to M-E-E-T fabric fabric.com slash forecast to get started today it takes only 10 minutes you can get an awesome affordable term life insurance policy plus other financial solutions uh, with their easy to use online hub and it takes less than 10 minutes so go to m-e-e-t fabric fabric.com slash forecast all right uh my next um play so um I, i was thinking about kind of you know some of the maybe under or under is the wrong word, but players that have not gotten enough love this year. And one that comes to mind is Mike Evans. Mike Evans grades 17th in the NFL this year, 15th in receiving grade. Um, he consistently, I think, separates better than what people think, despite the fact that he's 6'5", 231. Um, he is a really, really, really good receiver. and He's been doing it for a very long time. In fact, he's playing better this year than he has in any of the past three years. And I think that's going uh, unrepresented uh, by the people out there. And so I like Mike Evans over. You look at the wide receiver first cornerback matchup here. Um, it is one that I think you can take advantage of. Um, no, I don't think losing Frank Reich is going to solve any of the uh, Carolina Panthers problems. Um, and, and so I like uh, Mike Evans over uh, in this matchup against the Panthers. Yeah, I like that one because even like Dante Jackson's a decent player, but he's on the smaller side. It's not a particularly great matchup. <laughs> yeah, with, with Mike Evans, five ten, one eighty. Yeah, not not the ideal uh, frame and stature for a guy that you're hoping to uh, match up with Mike Evans. Yeah, he really has kind of. I don't know. We, I guess we've just become accustomed to like, yeah, Mike's going to put up a thousand every year. But it like this year, I think it was the first time where it should like we should be appreciating it a little bit more uh, than we probably are. I was just, I'll throw it out and come back around. We maybe have one more bet. I'm pulling up behind me, but one more teaser leg. Got to throw out there. All right. Do we think Des Ritter is going to cover eight and a half points at Jet Life in a, with, a, with a total of 34? Do we think he's going to do that or not? I mean, Tim Boyle might attempt a Hail Mary and it's going to turn into a, to a pick six, and Des Ritter's not even going to have to. It's a fair point. I, I just but- wonder. Like the Jets' offensive line issues have been particularly a tackle. The Falcons don't have edge rushers. Um, I don't know. It's just I'll just I'm just throwing it out there. I hear it. I hear it. Um, <laughs> I mean, Desmond Ritter last week. The fact that they won, you know, is is very very surprised. He was not great in that game. He's still 34th <laughs> out of 37 quarterbacks. Um, yeah, I don't think the stint on the bench like re you know rejuvenated him in any way, shape, or form. Um, the thing that would worry me is like the Jets' defense is the real deal, and like we saw in that Jacksonville game where Desmond Ritter like single handedly scores points for the other team. 
Um, and in uh, the game against the Saints, he had the benefit of playing against Derek Carr, who scored points for the other team, and he needed that. So as long as Tim Boyle doesn't throw a pick six, <laughs> like I know that like the chances are obviously higher for Boyle than they, they are for anyone else, but like he just has to avoid throwing a pick six um, to have like a legitimate shot. Uh, but I do see your point. The fact that you called him Dez is disrespectful, by the way, Brad. He's Desmond. You're right. You're right. Okay. So I also I just checked the thing I was looking at. I said pre-show. I was wrong. Not pre-show. Early in the show when you said uh, it was their line movement for Jonathan Taylor. There actually was. It moved about a point. Uh, it is from my, you know from Colts minus two to Colts minus one. So not a very meaningful point, but you know a full point of movement nonetheless. I'm not really sure what else uh, it could be attributed to. I think everybody else is healthy. Um, we talked about the Colts minus two, minus two and a half as a potential bet on the forecast on Sunday. Um, I think Arjun actually took it as a lock. Yeah. I'm there at this point too. Um, so I'll, I'll throw the Colts in the ring. You talk about Pittman and Downs and, and this Titans, you know, secondary has just been a total pass funnel and it has been a problem. If anything, you could maybe make the argument like running the ball less could benefit the, the Colts offense in this particular matchup and they'll feel less inclined to do so. Now without Jonathan Taylor, um, this should be more than a point, even at Tennessee. Um, you know, I don't really care about home field advantage in the AFC South, but by any stretch of the imagination. So, um, yeah, Colt, Colts minus one here. The Titans kind of stink. More than kind of. Like, <laughs> they, they played the Panthers at home, and that game was not – it was, like, in the balance the whole game. Like it was, right. it was, it was tough to watch. Um, I, I like this one quite a bit, especially now that you've told me that the line is adjusted. John Taylor's a phenomenal player. I, I think your point is, is solid. I like the way their offense works when they don't feel the need to hand it off to John. Like when he's on the field, they, they force feed him the ball. Zach Moss, really good player. Um, and uh, Shane Steichen's a wizard. So, Big fan of that one. Judy, you're up next. Yeah, I just have to say, I love the, love the Colts one. That would have been my, my fourth block uh, okay. proposal. But uh, I'm going to go with Austin Eckler under 53 and a half. I mean, you make the jokes about like Grandpa Eckler, this and that. The Chargers rush offense has been abysmal. Like take out AK, you don't want to take out one week, whatever. But like since week uh, since week two onwards, their rush success rate is 26%. The second worst Tampa Bay Buccaneers is 32%. They're dead last in every rushing metric. Uh, Austin Eckler actually can't run. I mean, that's like, it, it's a joke, but yeah. he, he really can't. Uh, on the flip side, New England's been a top five rush defense. Uh, LA is more than happy to kind of let Justin Herbert throw a bunch, especially if the matchup calls for it. I kind of anticipate this to be kind of a slow slugfest type game. Uh, I do not see the Chargers relying on the ground game. And if they did, I don't even think it's going to matter because their ground game has been absolutely dreadful. Uh, and there's still some kind of leakage from uh, some big explosive runs early on that I don't think are sustainable, especially not in this matchup against New England. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that. Um, I, just a comment looking at the slate this week, like offense is dead. The offense in the NFL is, is an absolute sham. It's so sad. The, the totals this week are, I mean, look at these things. 40, 47 and a half. What if I told you, George, before the season that that in week 14, the second highest total in the league would be Broncos at Texans? I mean, <laughs> and that's, I, 
I mean, I look at that like, <laughs> really? I mean, I guess you got CJ Stroud, although he's a little banged up. But I mean, these totals are pathetic. It really is. It really is pretty sad. Um, I, uh, I I don't have another uh, another lock, but I just wanted to call out the fact that the totals are hilarious, and it makes me want to bet overs, but I just cannot bring myself to do so. The one that is kind of interesting to me is Chiefs-Packers at 42 and a half, because I do think that the Packers offense um, is uh, is playing well, and I kind of want to fade the narrative of, you know, the Chiefs, you know, the, the defense um, matters that much, even though the Chiefs defense is playing very, very well. Um, that's the only one that kind of uh, tickles me a little bit, I guess. Um, but I will get us kicked off and say that my favorite ones, I love the Evan Ingram one. Um, I, I love the Colts as well. And of the ones that I brought forward. I obviously like Ayuk, but I think Mike Evans is is my favorite of that group. I like Evans and I like Ingram of those of those uh for sure. Agreed agreed on all fronts there. Evans really is popping and uh yes. a lot of the numbers surprisingly. Uh yeah it's it, it's surprise I'm telling you he's underrated. He's very underrated. Um, okay. Uh, what other ones do we have? So we've got, um, we've got Evans and, and Ingram locked in, uh, Brady, John, let us know that the Titans don't lose in Nashville, um, which is an important, uh, important trend for us to follow. Uh, what are the other options for us here? We got, we got a teaser leg. We got some, uh, Seattle, uh, sack props. Uh, I, I like the teaser. But we need we need some teaser redemption. Um, I, I like that teaser. So too. Cowboys down to two and a half, and Jags down to two and a half. Yeah, I like it. And what was the the Mafe one? Uh, Boya Mafe over a quarter plus one sixty. I do like that one. Plus one sixty. It's juicy. Yeah, it's juicy. Need, yeah. yeah, we need a little redemption on the sack problem. Um, yes, I like it. Uh, should we? So one thing that I think we talked about last week that we need to start doing is um, like the SGPs are our favorite part of this whole thing, and I feel like we need to uh, make sure that we we give those to the uh, the people as well. So if you're listening, uh, if you have not joined our Discord yet, you absolutely should. Link is in our Twitter bios. We post all the bets in there. Uh, a lot of good discourse. A lot of people who know what they're doing. Also gives you an opportunity to guess the lines with us on Sunday night. Um, so go get involved there and you can see all the bets uh, that we're placing. Arjun tracks them on, on BetStamp as well. So you can see how they're doing, uh, but highly recommend it. Uh, locks of the week, Evan Ingram, over. Mike Evans, over. We'll post those numbers when, when they are live. Uh, we have a teaser with the Dallas Cowboys, minus two and a half, and the Jacksonville Jaguars, minus two and a half. And Boye Mafe, over. 0.25 sacks plus was 160, 170. 160. There we go. Those are the locks of the week. We'll be with you on Sunday night uh, after an incredible Packers and Chiefs game. We love you all. Thanks for hanging out.